Welcome back to the Max Effort Kitchen Podcast. We got a great segment for you. It's called The Athlete and the Chef. So sit back, relax, and let's go. Kitchen podcast. I am your host, Chef Matt, and I just got a little tripped up because I watched Cornell hit some smelling salts. I am joined by my my co-host Cornell. Wow, dude, that's I, I think I'm gonna try that next time. I love it. This is my favorite one. It's called Ammonia Squeeze. Oh, it is this little guy. Okay, and it's a gel. So when it, I mean. I left it in my pocket and it was, it went through the washing machine and it's still good. Nice dude. And actually the top came off. So <laughs> the top like... came, the top came off. It's just a little cap and then, but it didn't, it didn't ruin it at all. So okay. still good. And it'll That's last good. you six plus months and not really, it'll probably go down to 90% and it'll last, you'll lose it after six months. Okay. So um, my ignorance will come out here because uh, what it, I mean, all it is is ammonia, right? And smelling salt is just salt soaked in ammonia. I haven't read the ins- the the ingredients, but yeah, probably. Yeah, that's what it seems like. I mean, I'll, I'll, truth be told, like I've used smelling salt maybe three times in my life. Okay. And I, it was I like a, three times today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was also like holding it like way down here. Like, oh, God, um, maybe I'll give it a shot. I don't know. We'll see. Now, the nice thing with this one is with a lot of the other ones, you open up the lid and then it just kind of wafts at you and it hits you real hard. This one, you literally have to point and then you squeeze the little bottle and then it'll kind of shoot it at you. So it's a lot nice. easier to hit soft and it's a lot easier to hit real hard. Okay. Okay. I think I remember seeing that one when we were uh, when we were down there. There was, or at least that was like floating around the gym a little bit. And then there's another thing I like to do called the sneak attack. Okay. So you see a couple people like standing in a circle at the gym and you grab a (laughs) PVC pipe and you start squeezing it into the pipe. And then you just point it at one person who's not watching and you blow it at them. And then they just get hit real hard, real fast. (laughs) That's quite the setup. (laughs) We always do it to Tyler. Nice. (laughs) I like that. Oh man, I I thought you were gonna go the the route of um, taking it and just shoving it by somebody's nose, but I mean <laughs> that's a little bit more stealth. You got like the the, the PVC pipe. That's awesome, uh, Cornell. I'm I'm really excited um, to tell you this. The stoop is back. Nice. <laughs> I made some today. It was cloudy and rainy. Probably the first real cloudy, rainy day we've had in, you know, since summer. And uh, it was just like, all right, got some chicken breast, threw some sweet potatoes, uh, carrots, onions. What else? Some, uh, like, I, I roasted some corn, so it got, like, nice char on it, threw that in there. Chicken stock, some white wine, a little bit of flour, butter. It, man, I, I constantly, I could eat this stuff for the rest of my life. It's oh, just it's, one of those things. It's delicious. My yeah. problem is summer decided to show up yesterday again. Yes. It's been like, <laughs> that. it's been cold all week. I mean, it's been great. I realized either Thursday or I think it was Thursday. Okay. I put on my Alico sweatshirt in the morning, just the like uh, crew, crew neck one. Yeah. 
And then I realized when I got home, I never took it off. And I was like, oh, it was so nice. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, um, I, I mean, I love this this weather over here for the, the sweats and the, the hoodies and all that stuff. But I noticed in your polos this morning that both you and Josh had like big old sunglasses on and it was windows down. I'm like, man, it must be warm over there right now. That's, I mean, what does it get down there like during this time of year? Do you get overcasty weather or does it stay pretty, pretty sunny and clear sky? It'll, if it's cloudy, it'll normally be a little bit warmer, but right now we just got hit with like some actual heat, but yeah. Uh, actually we did get a little bit of rain last week, but like very light, but if it's cloudy, it won't get as cold, but it won't get as hot. Nice. Uh, nice. if it's clear out, it'll get a lot colder at night and then a little warmer during the day. But, um, okay. yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad. Nice. It's just more um, when you're, when you're in one mindset and then all of a sudden it flips back and you're like, wait a minute, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not in that mindset anymore. No, it, it, it messes with me, man. My wife seems to think she gets sick that way, but I'm just, I'm like, no, that's, it's just, you're playing head games. Um, so uh, you were talking before we got on about something you cooked or what you cooked today. So I'd love to hear about it. All right. So today was very good, big highs and very big lows when in cooking. Oh, okay. And the funny part is it happened literally at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Completely different that. meals. Yeah. <laughs> So I told you about the Mexican pizza that I make. Yep. And I was, my wife was just like, oh, I really want that. And we made tacos yesterday, so we had a bunch of leftover stuff that we were going to make the the pizza with. So I ended up cutting this pizza into quarter, or a, a half and then two quarters. Okay. And I made my daughter a just sausage pizza. Mm-hmm. She likes the red sauce. So I just made like a little, basically a one slice for what a normal pizza would be. Maybe one yeah. and a half. Not, not a yeah. big one. Totally. And then I made this beautiful Mexican pizza. It had refried beans. That's the base. And then I had chorizo. I had jalapenos. I had Mexican cheese and cilantro and uh, salsa, like fresh salsa on top of it. Nice. But I forgot to put enough flour underneath it oh it stuck didn't it so then when i came to the pizza <laughs> oven to slide it off when i started pulling this the peel out it just started rolling and i was like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. so then i just stuck the whole peel in i'm like maybe i can just cook it kind of like this on the peel yeah and then the whole peel started burning oh <laughs> and it was shit. on fire and then finally i just said screw it i'm just gonna like full speed like i took it out i slid a knife underneath it i tried all kinds of different stuff i couldn't mm-hmm. like it was just stuck and yep i finally just said i'm just gonna push it all the way in see what happens and i pushed it in and it just turned into a big pizza burrito in there and <laughs> part of it was on fire at one point <laughs> and i didn't even try to like salvage anything i just scraped it out and the for if people don't know this, like the pizza oven's seven, eight, nine hundred degrees. Yeah. So it's not like you can just fix it. No, there's no, there's no fixing it. You're not sticking your hand in there. It's just so, like you got to let that thing burn and then come take it off the stone. I totally get that. Yeah. So I ended up just wheeling the big trash can over and just started scooping it out and pour, putting it in the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll happen. Um, I was talking to was it Damon yesterday when we were training 
and uh, he was he was kind of asking me about that, like, like sliding in and all that stuff. And I know you use flour, and that works well for you. Um, but I was going to throw out there, I've said cornmeal before, yep. but also here's what I think is the best because it's a mix of both worlds, which is mix of flour and mix of corn, um, which is semolina. Okay. And if you're not familiar, semolina is like a corn flour that is really fine. It's like the version of like, uh, like if you think corn flour is like a kosher salt, um, semolina is like a table salt, like an iodized salt. So okay. it's like, it's just the coarse level of it. But it's what they, it's the flour that is primarily used um, to make pasta with, fresh pasta. Pretty much most pastas you've had are made with semolina flour. Okay. Um, so it cooks into the crust and it makes a really neat, um, neat flavor. Uh, and it slides right off that board. You don't even need that much. The cornmeal is a good one because it adds like that, those little corn crunchies in the crust mm -hmm. that I really like. We used to do that a lot uh, at where I'm, where I work at Pizzicato, but I changed it up to semolina and we get a better product. There's also another aspect of it that it, what it does is like the cornmeal will kind of raise it off the stone a little bit because it's like oh, sitting nice. on these little beads. Right. And so you get a different cook on that, on the bottom of that crust. You get more of like a leopard spotting than you do like a full on cook, okay. which is neat. And, and it, and it lends for a little bit more of a, um, aerated dough. So I just, I just added it to my Amazon cart <laughs> for like totally overpriced, but I don't oh, have dude. to think about it. I'll send some to you. If, if, no, if, if you don't want to, if you want more of it, you use it and you're like, yeah, I like this. <laughs> just talk to me. dude. <laughs> I can just yeah, go to the store then. <laughs> yeah, no, it's super easy. And, and most stores will have it. Um, but it's just a fun little trick. I like to mess around with stuff like that. And it's just something we do in the restaurant. And so it works really well. Cool. So the opposite side that was going on started three and a half hours before that. Okay. Is when I woke up, I came out and I looked at, I made my coffee and I looked next to the coffee maker and there was that tri-tip that I was defrosting last night. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, it's, it's dry aged. Come like, on. It's, it's still good. Oh yeah. I smelled it. I'm like, nah, it's all right. I'm not going to tell my wife. <laughs> right. Cause she's the one who's like this, this ketchup's about to expire. Maybe I should get rid of it. I'm like, ketchup's <laughs> gross. You should just get rid of it. But. So I just immediately was like, I'm going to cook this right now. So I grabbed a whole bunch of salt, covered mm -hmm. it in salt, covered it in mm -hmm. pepper, went and fired up the little barbecue, the barrel barbecue that you recommended that I got. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I didn't have, I couldn't find any wood that I could uh, smoke it with. Cause I used to have some chips from my old smoker that was just like a cheap entry level electric yeah. one that yeah, I, I literally never got good smoke out of. Okay. Uh, but I found a bundle of firewood that we found in the desert nice. on the way to our campsite. So we stopped and pulled it over, pulled over and grabbed it. Okay. And I don't know what kind of wood it was, but I just split that into some little pieces. And that's what I used to smoke this tri-tip with. And yeah. it was the best tri-tip I've probably ever made. <laughs> uh, I smoked it for about an hour, maybe hour and a half. And it was okay. pretty smoky. Then I wrapped it up in foil and I poured a bunch of barbecue sauce and A1 in there and just kind of le left it in there for another like two hours, like mm -hmm. super, super low, 200, 215-ish. Uh, and then took it out. And right when I took it out, 
was when the pizza was going to hell and I was just (laughs) so sad. Done. (laughs) But then I just grabbed the meat and I slapped it on the the cutting board and I cut a piece and I took a bite and I'm like, oh, oh, well, that that makes up for it. I mean, I wouldn't even want the pizza. (laughs) Totally. You know, um, it's interesting because I often think about these things a lot where you see expiration dates and you hear all these like, oh, don't leave your stuff out for four hours. But... I'm telling you um, that like, what did they do before refrigeration was there? Right. Like, it's not like they were uh, killing these deer or killing their animal and just, you know, refrigerating it by any means. They were finding ways to preserve it. They were put leaving it out. You left it out overnight. It was frozen when you took it out. Here's um, an aspect of smoking that a lot of people, um, a step that a lot of people skip, which is when you go to smoke a meat, a lot of the times what I'll do is I will leave it out so it kind of gets like tacky almost okay. because what's going to happen is that smoke is going to stick to that tack. And there's a there's an accelerated way to do that, which is like take your steaks, unwrap them or chicken or whatever you're going to smoke, throw it in your refrigerator because your refrigerator will pull the moisture out of it. Okay. And it actually builds that nice sticky tack really quick. And so like if I'm smoking a sausage or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm putting it in the refrigerator for an hour, pulling it out and they will, it'll take on the smoke flavor just like that. Um, but to, I guess to what I'm talking about is like these expiration dates are set by the, you know, the FDA, <laughs> they're, they're regulations for, um, what we think, you know, what we can sell a general public. Um, yeah. I'm t- I, I don't my think La- catch- my LaCroix has an expiration date. It's water. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's to my point right there. It's like, you know, these are regulations that are built. Um, so a mass amount of people don't quote unquote get sick. Um, but in the, in the scheme of things, leaving a frozen steak out all night is probably the best thing you could do for it. And you experience that. So maybe I'll just plan to do that next time. (laughs) (laughs) Also, uh, just let, uh, let your wife know that ketchup is never going to (laughs) go. It's always bad. It's gross. Mm. Yeah, no, I know. I'm, I know. I understand that. But like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's that. It's tomato paste stuff. Yeah. With vinegar. Which With vinegar. Isn't yeah. that a preservative kind of? <laughs> yes, it is. Like you can just pickles don't go bad. Pickles don't go bad. And that's preservatives are anything like salt, vinegars, any, any acidic, anything with a high acidic level, lemon juice, you know, I mean, all that stuff technically cooks the meat. So it's, or cooks what it's in. So that's why you can, that's, I mean, pickling, that's where it all came from, you know, vinegar. Nice. So, yeah. Anyways, um, well, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I was wondering if you would have a fail because I was getting a little bit like, I'm not going to say I was getting, um, <laughs> I, I was just like, God damn, he's good at this. <laughs> he needs a fail. Um, not that I'm happy about it, but you know, you learn, right. And that's all good. Um, and it's fun and <laughs> makes yeah. a good story. So I was thinking the other day, you know, Damon and I had a good session out at his garage and it was a Saturday session and my Saturday sessions are very light because I get wrecked on Fridays. Um, and, uh, my Saturday, Saturday session was light. And so I'm, I was thinking on the way home from his, uh, his thing, I was like, you know, I, I got a good topic we could talk about. And I'm, so I'm going to ask you this question. Um, if you could go back to the first six months of when you started lifting, what would you tell yourself 
to avoid any issues you ever had or to make you better or whatever? Like, what are some tips that you would go back and tell yourself? That's a little, I don't, (laughs) I really don't know. Okay. I got, uh. I can jump in. I can jump in if you want. Yeah. I'll jump in. Yeah, you can go, but I, I just don't know if I would change anything. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I mean, I mean, you like the journey, then then (laughs) keep it where it's at. Like I can, I can give, I I, I don't want to like take the whole show and talk forever, but I can do a summed up version of how it all started. Yeah. I mean, we, I think we've talked about it a little bit, but like, um, I, I guess this is more, I, this, this question came from me because there were some pivotal mistakes that I feel like I made. I mean, come on. I got, I got hurt 12 days into lifting into the weight sport of weightlifting. And so it's like, I made some, some interesting mistakes. And I think the major one that I think that I would go back and say is, um, to do a little bit more research on the sport. And, and not, I'm not saying like research on technique or, or whatever, but go like one thing I never did was I never went on YouTube. Um, I never went on, I wasn't following anybody on Instagram. I wasn't doing any of that stuff. Um, I wasn't talking to people about it. Nobody in my life really knew about it. Um, and I was just following the direction of maybe, uh, one person and just taking all of it like that, that that was reality. And you know, that's on me. Um, totally on me, but at the same point, like I should have ventured out and I should have like maybe got to know more people and talked to more people about it, been more involved, had a little bit more patience because I can tell you like my first three meets, man, I didn't know what the hell was going on. (laughs) You know, I hear people talking about cutting. So I'm like, well, I got to cut and I'm over here trying to cut like five kilos and (laughs) You know, and I'm thinking to myself now, I was just listening to podcasts the other day. They're talking about you should never cut more than 3% of your weight going into a meet. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's why I got hurt that meet. So, <laughs> um, how, but how yeah. long after, I know you got hurt, yeah. but if you take out that, let's just pretend that getting hurt didn't happen. Okay. And that you started when you were able to get back. Yeah. How far or how long after you started lifting did you compete for the first time Mm. Uh, it was about uh almost two years okay yeah did you know about competing no because that was i think a very important part for me is i didn't know there was competitions i didn't like i knew there was it was the olympics but i didn't know i didn't really know even when i started about that there was this lifting in the Olympics. Yeah, no, either did I. And I think that's a real important thing where there's people are pushing people to compete. I think way too soon. Uh, Oh, yes. It's, it might be a controversial thing to say, but I don't think that you should be competing for the first couple of years. Yeah. Uh, I like that. That's a good point. Go ahead. I I interrupted you there. No, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking about it right now as, this topic is here, but yeah, I started lifting because I just loved lifting. And then I started becoming friends with all these people. And I was, there was no stress in lifting. It was just fun. It was just like, we would sneak into the gym, like 
me, my buddy Isaiah, and our friends Amy and Dylan. And Amy was a coach, and she would sneak us in on Sundays, Mm -hmm. and we would just go max out. And we had no idea. Like, I didn't even know what a PR was. I mean, like, my buddy Isaiah was like, oh, that was a PR. I'm like, what's that? He's like, it's your personal record. I'm like, oh, cool. (laughs) He's like, you just snatched 200 pounds. I'm like, because we were all in pounds. Right. I was like, is that good? And he's like, you're really good. I'm like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, the next week, he'd sneak, he'd load all the weights and he'd get all these little change plates. He'd be like, you snatched 202 pounds. You're, you got a PR. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, I got one of those last week. (laughs) And it was just fun. And there was no pressure. And there was no, like, oh, you have to wear this stupid suit and go stand in front of everyone. Like everyone's gonna look at your balls, especially right. if you wear a red singlet that's Nike. Don't wear those people. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were the one that I actually heard that from in the beginning, and I was like, I'm not buying Nike because I would have. <laughs> yeah, the the Nike singlets, especially the red one, just sh- like it. Just there's your junk. <laughs> Stay away. So I would say that, like, that's some of the stuff where I look back and I'm like, I think that. I love my route that I took. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it wasn't a route that I took. It's the route that was, I just kept going on the road that I was on and it, it just, I didn't have too many choices to make. Right. Um, I started out uh, six months of CrossFit and then got sick of running and mm-hmm. they started a weightlifting class. So I started that and it was two days a week. Still was doing a couple days of CrossFit and then the weightlifting coach got sick of us getting hurt in CrossFit. So then he said he'd create a five-day-a-week program if we would stop CrossFitting. So, like, ten of us stopped. And then it just kind of went from there. And he was – I think he was about 25, 24, 25, just out of the military, and he was going to school. Mm-hmm. And then two, about a year and a half – no, two years in – uh, we got, I got my level one with him, actually with him. And he ended up going to college like six months later and left. So then Dang. all of a sudden, my other friend, Nick and I, we were the coaches. And it's like, so we were starting to learn and starting by us teaching everybody we were learning. Right, right. And then we, we were there for another like two or three years. And then got into it with the gym owner there and our entire team left for another gym. And Hmm. the other Hmm. gym had, they stumbled across 2000 square feet of adjoining uh, wall space that they said we could have if we all came. And then we coached there until the lockdowns happened and all the gyms kind of shut down. And then at that point it was like, well, I'm not lifting with everybody. So then I joined an online team and everything before that was very calculated, uh, percentage-based. We peak when we peak, we don't when we don't. And I always did definitely feel held back, and I would push it a little bit further. Yeah. Um, and then when I joined the online team, it was very much like you push it to maximum every single day, no matter right. what you do. Right. And uh, I've talked about this with a lot of people, but at the time – it was the perfect thing I needed. It was, it really let me let loose and like see what I was capable of. But I'm also a different type of person where 
I could hit a snatch PR, a big one, and then not touch it for two and a half years and keep going. And so many other people are like, they want to get that little PR here and there just to see progress. And I didn't need that. Yeah. And then eventually I, that only, you're only going to get so good so long doing that. Um, And then I left that team and now I'm back to much more. It's like a hybrid what I'm at now. I have a lot of say in what my program is and how it's handled. Mm -hmm. um, But it's also, I know when to hold back. And the, I, I am now a, such a better lifter now than I was back then. So like, I just don't know if I would have necessarily changed anything. Well, that, I mean, you know, uh, that's, that's a really cool story and the way that you got into it. And as you were talking about it, um, I was, I was reminded of something that I realized when I first, uh, the first time I came down there, which was the, the, the community down there of what the weightlifting community specifically is, um, I don't want to say thriving, but it's big, it's bigger. It's big. We don't have that up here and we have a very small, um, I hate to say segregated type community up here in, in Portland that it, you know, the only person that's holding meets up here is Joe Beck. Right. And, uh, and they're great meets and they're a lot of fun, but it's like, you guys got, you guys got some big boys. You're like, you got, you know, SoCal, I'm, Shark Tank or Shark Tank. <laughs> I just did it. Strength Tank. Um, you know, and uh, dude, you got Onyx down there. You got this. It's just like, um, it's, a, it's a great community to grow up in the world of weightlifting in. Um, you know, for myself, I was you know, CrossFit. And then, I, and then we had a coach come in that lifted for Vulcan. And her name was Tolly. And she was uh, maybe five foot tall. But... She, she was, you know, she was hitting some, some decent weights, some decent, uh, uh, clean and jerks and, and all that. And, and, uh, she started teaching some of the athletes how to do that. And I, I started talking to her and she's just like, this is what you need to do. Just go back there and just do it. And so I just started doing that and the gym shut down and then I was shuffled into a globo gym and the globo gym, uh, is where I, you know, met my first coach. And again, I didn't have anything I didn't know. Like I didn't know anything about it. And so like I fast forward, I'm at my first meet and, um, I don't even know like what a, a warm up looks like. And I'm just like, <laughs> so like the idea of actually, I should have taken more time. Like I was just relying on my athletic ability and, um, I, I, I wish I would have taken a little bit more time to like, you know, get into the world of like, what is a meet? Cause you know, you go on YouTube now and you type in like, you know, talk, tell me how to count cards and you get like you know, 200 videos on how people count cards. It's just like, um, and, and those are, those are some things I wish I would have done, but you know, I'm in my first meet. I hit my, uh, what was it? I hit, uh, the, my last attempt in the back room. And next thing you know, I got my coach like nose to nose to me screaming in my face. And I'm like, is this what this is about? <laughs> I remember walking away from that and being like, I'm a grown ass man. I do not need another grown ass man yelling at me that close. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I had to reevaluate a little bit and I'm glad I did because I came to the conclusion that this is, this shit is fun. I still went four for six and I think I hit a PR and the clean and jerk and it was great. Like it was fun. Um, and I think that's the first time that, no, that's the second time you and I hung out. Yeah. Um, and it was, um, 
I don't know. I just, I think that, uh, it, I think people should hear out there that like, there's a lot of information out there and, uh, get out there and learn about the sport and, and check it out and, and know that everybody has their opinions and nobody is exactly right <laughs> because, yeah. um, there are some pretty opinionated people out there and that's cool. <laughs> Cause I'm probably pretty opinionated too, but, uh, I, I try to, uh, have an open mind, but it's fun. It's fun. Get out there and, and learn the people. Learn who started this. Learn, you know, where it's gone, how it's evolved. And, and that I think that increases the love for the sport. Yeah. I, I think hearing you talking about that is making me think of something that I didn't do till I was four or five years in. Okay. I did. When you first start, go visit other gyms. Find yeah. out when they're lifting. Go travel around. Yeah. Go meet everybody that you can. Yep. Um, I don't think. <clears throat> I don't think I lifted at another gym until after I went to Masters Nationals in 2017, and I never had met anybody okay. until I was. I, I, I think I met like one or two people who just so happened to be there, and I think that there was a get together at our gym where some people from the gym invited another gym over and there just so happened to be one of the guys there who ended up completely saving my butt because the guy who was supposed to be coaching me bailed on me 24 hours before my session and I'm in Georgia <laughs> not knowing anybody. Wow. <laughs> wow. And then I just so happened to see this guy. I'm like, hey, what are you, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> he's like well we're gonna go do this 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 and this why what's up i'm like i don't have a coach and he goes we can do that later we'll do we'll oh. take care of you nice so that's pretty cool yeah but then um, after that it was like oh there's other people out there i should become friends with and hit up <laughs> yeah. all the other gyms exactly yeah it's yeah you know, i think we talked about it last show about the community of of the sport and it's, uh, it is a unique one. Um, I remember, so when I, oh, first time I saw, first time I did jump on YouTube, I, I saw the masters nationals that you're talking about and I'm looking at it and I'm, wa and I'm watching it and, and a couple lifters go by and then they, they bring this lifter out and they're all, all right, Cornell George to the platform. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. I know that guy. <laughs> and I'm looking at, I'm looking at it. And then I'm like, what the hell? And I pull you up on Facebook and I'm like, what? <laughs> like you had changed so much. Like then you were like, um, you were a little bit, you looked taller. I swear to God, you look taller and skinnier. I was and narrower. Yeah. So you, now you're taller. built like a freaking gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just remembering like, so you were the, like the, the first, like there was that one, co that connection I, I first had when I was watching YouTube videos and I was like, oh, oh, okay. There it is. And, uh, that was right before the Reno meet. So <laughs> It, it, I thought that was a funny story to tell, but like you, you like the progression of how you changed and like the, the, how the, how your, your lifting changed and your body changed and everything changed into and morphed into what you are today going after a, a 182. I, I'm not even like, I don't understand where that came <laughs> from. Cause you were just talking about out, um, doing like 50 kilos for a five by five in the back squat. And then I see this video and I'm like, 
Oh my God. Talk about this. <laughs> okay. Well, this is, this is the perks of having training partners and really cool teammates. Okay. Uh, I decided that this next cycle I'm going to do from the blocks. I've been wanting to do a block cycle for about four years. Nice. But the, it just never worked out. Yeah. Yeah. And I decided that I talked to my coach and I was like, Hey, we should do a four week block cycle. And she goes, we're going to do a lot of blocks in this next cycle. And then she goes, but you're, you're grown up. You can do whatever you want. So then I oh. just said, okay. I'm going to do the Sorry. program, but I'm going to do everything from the blocks. Nice. So it's the easiest way to to be a part of the team, to do what the coach asks, but also get to do what you want. Okay. okay. So I end up – I was snatching triples on Wednesday at like 100 kilos, uh, clean triples at 120. Everything felt like that was where I was going to stop. Uh, Thursday didn't do anything. Friday came in, ended up – maybe taking a couple extra attempts that I didn't need to do, <laughs> but I, I snatched 140 okay. uh, off the blocks. Uh, nice. I've done that a handful of times. So, I mean, it's more like that's a, a good stopping point. Okay. Uh, and then one of the girls that I train with very regularly because our schedules work out, she just looks at me and she goes, you can't stop until you clean over 170 today. And I was just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what did you say? Like, I, the way I have the bar loaded is, it was kind of weird, but I had 110 left on the bar from the 140. Okay. And I, I cleaned that and I was, I just, that was my first attempt. And I was like, oh, that felt heavy. And then she told me that as I loaded 140, cause I'm like, I'm just going to hit something 140, 150 and I'll be good. Right. And then she told me that. So then I had to like actually try with the 140. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> put a little extra effort into it, hit 40 then put 50 on, then went 60. And I was like, Oh, this, this actually might happen. But in my mindset, I was like, 140 is fine. I'll move on. Right. Right. Um, 160. And then I was like, well, what she said, 70, let me put on 72. And if that's easy, that's a smaller jump than 12 kilos to get to 82 and 182 for people who don't know this, that's the last weight that I've, cl I clerked about two and a half, three years ago. And that's the first weight that I clerked in five years. Oh, wow. You didn't so, clerk this one. No, you just, you <laughs> definitely did not clerk this, but all, um, all that was going through my head is like, this is, this has been that bastard weight that you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, that's where I failed. That's where yeah. I got scared. Yeah. And I just said, screw it. And I loaded it and I ripped it and I pulled under it and I didn't make it, but I pulled under it and I was you definitely like, oh. pulled under it. I'm like, Oh, that, that, that might happen. Oh, it's, so. <laughs> it's going to happen. I mean, anybody who watches that video is like, yeah, he, all, he dude, just, you, you just tweak a couple things and you're there. But like, I, yeah, dude, the, the, um, the way that you can go from, uh, doing a back squat of, of 50 kilos to that is pretty incredible. And I, I think it's pretty neat to watch. And I think that, um, and I'm, I'm just talking about it just to talk about it because, uh, there's 
people out there that probably should hear like that, like it took you 10 years to get to this point. Like, yeah, you weren't doing this two years in, you weren't doing this in 2017. You're not, you know, you're not like, um, Oh, you know, just going out there being stupid about it. You're there's actually a calculated thing happening here and you know, your body. And I think that's the biggest part is understanding the mechanics of how your body moves and works that it's a really valuable thing. And I think as you know, these old masters weightlifters <laughs> that are talking on these mics here, um, we can, we can really talk about that. And, and the older you get, the better you kind of understand your body and how it works and how it functions and maintains. And so you can go out on a Friday and just go after that 182. Cause I think the same thing happened when you snatched the 152, right? Like you weren't uh, anticipating that or were you? That was a, that was a double day. I mean, uh, okay. it wasn't intentionally a double day, but I, I went and lifted at another gym, hit, hit the program. I think I snatched up to like 130 for a double power, okay. power clean jerked like 140 for a double. Not, I mean, not like, crazy numbers and then came down to the gym and it was like going off and then my i was yeah <laughs> i started moving the bar just a little bit and then my wife called and she's like when can you come home and it was like one of those oh i gotta go and then i said can i leave in can i leave in 20 minutes and she said yes so i'm like nice. i have 20 minutes to do something so that's how the 52 happened so you're under pressure. You got to get out of there. You're putting the weights on. You're not thinking about anything. And you just go. That yeah. and that that's cool. That, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, but so, but one of the things just to to know is when I was squatting that our fifty kilos, I I, I was I kept wanting to say one hundred and fifty because I'm like what is fifty kilos? <laughs> I know. I know. When I was squatting that fifty kilos, I knew that one of my friends didn't go to AO two who had peaked for it. And yeah. she was saying that she was going to go heavy on Friday. Right. So I, I knew on Tuesday that there was a good chance I was going to be going heavy on Friday. And oh. I also knew on Wednesday that there was a good chance I was going to go heavy Friday. So I wasn't saying it was going to work out and that it was going to go good on Friday, but I wasn't right. going to um, blow my load and just not have anything left for Friday. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I that that completely makes sense too. Um, you know, as far as that goes, that brings up a good point of like, do you think there's a such thing as a as a perfect taper, or is there just a perfect taper for the specific weightlifter? Being a master lifter or a master's weightlifter, not a master weightlifter, but a master's <laughs> weightlifter. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of luck that goes into it. And I don't know if there's a perfect taper, but I think that there's there's scientifically proven program uh templates that work. Okay. So you you build you you get a lot of hypertrophy in, you get a lot of reps in at lighter weight, but you build up that mm -hmm that work capacity and then you taper that down and you build up the intensity and then you do that two to three times over two to three months. And then if, if you didn't get hurt, you just hope and pray that the day of the competition is the day you do really well. Um, but what I often tell people is they're like, they're like, are you going to go big or are you going to just, are you going to crush this meat? It's like, Oh, I hope so. But like, 
my big day might have been last Friday and it might be next Friday or hopefully it's this <laughs> Sunday. Yeah. Like right. you never, you never really know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I've always thought about that <clears throat> because I think uh, a, a taper is, is one of the uh, more mentally challenged aspects of competing and just having the confidence and knowing that like 10 days out, you're probably not going to build any more muscle that's going to help you but it's more to be like specific about your training to help you on the platform and, and the weights that you're putting up. So I don't know. I, uh, I'm, I know personally I'm getting ready to in about two and a half, maybe three weeks, I'm going into a taper. So I'm, I'm now starting to mentally, um, arm myself for that so I can walk into it because like I'm in the stage right now of this, uh, whatever, amount of week blocks that I blocked that I've been doing, um, where it's like every time I walk off the platform, I got another pain somewhere else. <laughs> and I know, and, and like, it's like, I talk about it and, and it, it was the coolest thing. And mind you, my wife, she, um, she follows what I do. Um, she's not like super interjected into it. She knows she came and helped me in the back room, but she's, um, I was talking to her about something like on my IT band. I'm like, man, I just not, I'm not feeling really well. I need to get the heating pad. I just got all these bumps and bruises. And she looks at me and she goes, yeah, this is what's supposed to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I love you. Um, but, um, but it, she's right. This is the moment that window when all the little pains and aches and, and, you know, old injuries and stuff kind of flare up. And, and when that happens, I'm like, and I said it on the polo last Friday or whatever, Saturday, Friday, I don't know, something's happening. And that's a, that's a thing about knowing and understanding your body. It's like, okay, I'm getting these pains and aches. Something's happening. I'm lifting weights that feel like 80% that are actually 90%. Something's happening and keeping that mindset going through that damn taper and walking onto that platform. I don't know. Yeah. Have, have I talked about on this show my analogy with the coins i don't think so i've heard it but i don't i don't think okay. it was on this show so I'll, I'll i'll explain it to anyone who's listening yeah i came up with this a couple years ago when i was on a team where it was the max effort like max out every single day right and i was trying to talk these guys into who would just push it as hard as they could every single day and that made it so that they could not push hard any day okay and i said you're allotted, let's say, 100 coins for the week. You can go out there and you, let's say, you train five days a week. So okay. you're, if you, if you push it to max, you can only do 20 coins. You can only spend 20 of your coins in the day. You might okay. be able to spend a little bit more, but realistically, you can only spend 20 a day. But you can save some coins for an additional day. So, hmm. If you're on a five day a week program and you push it to the max that you're capable of, you just spent 20 coins and the next day you spent 20 next days. And then all of a sudden it's max out Friday. It's big Friday that everyone's talking about. Yeah. And you hit yep. the same numbers because you don't yeah. have anything left. Right. But if you held back a little bit, if you held back two coins each day, all of a sudden on that last day, you've got 30 coins instead of 20 to spend. And nah, you're gonna like you're gonna cash out at the end of the week, no matter what. Yep. Or you don't have to, but it's. 
I think that the way that a taper works is that you're not going to get any better at weightlifting in that last week or two of lifting. Right. But what you're doing is you're going to start pulling everything back and building those coins up that you can cash in at the competition. And realistically, like that last two weeks is like, let's fix everything and let's not overuse anything. Mm. That That is such a good analogy. That's what, I wish it's something I would have heard early on, but it makes complete sense. It's like, I mean, in my mind, I think I, I rationalize that as like, you know, um, money management 101. If I got $100 and I want money to spend on Friday, I'm going to save it up and, and there it is. But that makes complete sense because you're allotted a certain amount a day, you know, based off of your training age that is going to help you on Friday. Like when you want to hit the big weights or Saturday if you're competing, Man, that's that's brilliant. Yeah, and like I still look at the guys who are on that team that I was trying to explain this to, and they haven't hit PRs in years. I right. mean, right? Some of them have had injuries that needed surgery, and they're they're back to their ninety percent. Right, and that's that's all that they're realistically ever going to get to. And their coach has said to me that like I'm just going to let them do their thing because they're not going anywhere. Like this is it for them. So they're they're the king of their garages. They're their own champions, and they can they can dream that they're going to go places and just stick in their garage. So, right. Um, yeah. I guess to each their own on that one. And you know, everybody has uh, different sights in the sport, and I think that you are yours and my sights align really well. I know I've learned a lot from you um, just in these past couple of years of like coming down there and training and. And all that stuff and and you know that's that's the whole point of like why we started this segment of the podcast is because like the knowledge of someone that's been in there 10 years versus you know me myself i'm five years six five years in and like i think we bring really good different perspectives and people can take from that and if you take it great if you don't cool yeah <laughs> yeah so Anyways, dude, uh, we're hitting 45 minutes, and uh, just for anybody who doesn't know what the stoop is, go back to uh, an episode. I'll post the episode. Um, I might have even done a recipe episode of it. Like, get yourself some some knowledge here, because the stoop is where it's at. Uh, <laughs> it's it's like a mixture between stew and soup, and that's why we're why that's why I'm calling it that. Um, but it's it's good stuff. It's good stuff for the winter and. Uh, Cornell, get on get on some of that semolina, man. Yeah. Try it out. I got Try it in my cart. All right. You got any last words? Anything you want to throw out? Mm, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Simple man. All right. Everybody get out there. Follow us. Uh, check us out. I'll post this online and have a great night. Peace. Bye.